Hey everybody, welcome to AQ's Blog and Grill. I'm Alan Quarry and I'm here today with Joseph Fung. Joseph, welcome. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for joining us today. Joseph is an entrepreneur extraordinaire uh, coming out of um, Waterloo Region, but it's not a Waterloo Region play. This is, he's a global thinker. He's, a, he's got an idea that isn't so much an idea, it's a dream, which then becomes the idea and then Joseph makes it all come true. <laughs> if we're lucky enough <laughs> and everything works out, it's going to go exactly like that plan. And how much does luck really play in, in starting a business and keeping a business going? Oh, it's, a, it's a, a fun mix. Everybody always talks about all the hard work and all the sweat and tears, and it's so true. You need to be ready to, to seize those opportunities. But so often, being at the right place at the right time opens up huge opportunities. Right. Good example, with my last company, when we were out raising money, uh, we chatted to a ton of angel investors. Mm -hmm. San Francisco, Boston, here. Uh, what ended up happening was that one partner at one VC firm who happened to be looking for HR technology yes. came across our profile at the right time. Now, we worked hard to seize that opportunity, right. but we were fortunate to have it. Yeah. So this was Tribe yes. HR uh, that you started. When did you start that organization? Uh, so we founded the company in 2010. Uh, we didn't really jump into it full time until about 2011, though. Okay. Yeah. What What was in the in the space in between? What was in the transition period? Well, you know, how some people get together with their friends on the weekend to maybe watch the game, yeah. have some pizza. Uh, I get together with my friends, have some pizza, and write some code. Uh, <laughs> and so that's what we were doing. It was a bit of a hobby on the side. Sure. Yeah. Uh, until we had an advisor uh, associated with Commuter Tech yeah. uh, who said that we have something really exciting here and if we actually want to make it happen, we need to take it more seriously. And it was a fantastic kick in the pants to actually yeah. do that. So you're a graduate of the University of Waterloo. Mm -hmm. Computer engineering. Computer engineering. Mm -hmm. oh, goodness. Uh, that seems to be a common thread here in, in the Waterloo region. For some reason, there's a lot of engineering grads, mech or mm -hmm. computer or... Well, I, don't, I don't think it's too surprising. The engineering program trains the, uh, the appetite and the aptitude to build things, to right. create. Yeah. And I think there's a strong correlation between that and that ethos and entrepreneurship. I think you're right, absolutely. Our mutual friend Stephen Lake is a um, Lego mm -hmm. addict. He loves to build stuff. And he started that when he was a kid, of course, and he doesn't stop. No. And I think that's your, your passion for creating something and then seeing it work is... Uh, Probably a common element. I, I'd be surprised if Stephen and I were the only ones who had vast Lego collections locally. <laughs> oh, that's great. So you moved from Tribe HR, which was uh, acquired by NetSuite? Yes. Okay. And you did your workout uh, through that period. Mm -hmm. uh, and then along comes this new and exciting firm, and I'm really excited about this for you and everybody, is Kite. K-I-I-T-E. Yes. So tell us a little bit about what Kite is, what does it do? Sure. So uh, those questions uh, are definitely a little different. So what Kite is, is an intelligent sales assistant. Mm. So if you think about what your team members go through every day as they're working with clients, customers, even out in the community, mm -hmm. there is a wealth of information they need to have at their fingertips. Right. Reference customers, product specs, policy, what blockchain is. Yeah. And Normally, the best practice is you sift through a lot of documents to learn, mm -hmm. or you tap your colleague on the shoulder to ask a question. Right. We built an intelligent sales assistant that you could just chat with. And so it's like having that product and company expert there in your back pocket all the mm -hmm. time. How we got here, though, yeah. was a little different. Okay. Uh, my last company, Tribe, was really based around the idea of how do you make work better? 
for employees. Right. Uh, and we had fantastic success with that. We Good. grew the company, we sold it, we continued on. But with NetSuite, while we built fantastic software, we were really helping the HR and admin operations and lost touch with the frontline employees a little. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Kite was really about coming back to that. Yeah. How do we make work better? And when we spent time with managers, with employees, and we realized just how many people are just drowning in a sea of information mm-hmm. and they don't feel productive, right. we wanted to tackle that heads on. And so that's how we got to Kite. And Interesting. If you think about making people productive, the first step of that is really hearing them. And that's mm-hmm. what Kite means. In Japanese, it means to listen. Fabulous. Thank you. I was going to ask that. Good, because I, I believe, Joseph, and I think you're a proponent of this too, is listening is the most important verb in business, in life. It's just not about, you know, okay, I want to do better and sell more product. Listening is the sign of respect. That is a learning experience. And from that learning, you get knowledge. And that is, I think, what this economy is going towards. It's been called a knowledge economy for a long time, including back to Peter Drucker. I think now, though, that knowledge being established, we're now going to um, the creative age of business Mm -hmm. and social entrepreneurship, anything, if you will, that we can take that knowledge that we've learned and earned and go, yeah, but if we use it this way, it can make things better. Neat. So through that feeling of productivity, employees, teammates are going, well, that's exactly it. Uh, not just around getting access to the information, but getting it on their terms. You know, the reality is if, if you're a new employee at an organization and you're excited and you're driven and you're putting in extra time and you're there at 7 o'clock because you care and you get blocked because maybe your manager went home mm-hmm. or the product manager or the designer that you need to ask a question of is in a different time zone. Mm-hmm. Just imagine how demotivating that can be. When you're putting that extra time and energy, you want to move forward, but now you're blocked. And so I think where we're sitting right now is that with the increased prevalence of distributed workforces, Mm -hmm. contingent workers, Mm -hmm. distributed teams, we need to be able to have tools that let knowledge move around and give people more agency. Yeah. What are your feelings on the the catchphrase, the gig economy? It's an an interesting one. Uh, I think a lot of people use it to convey negative connotations. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about uh, you know, less reliable relationships with employers. Mm-hmm. Um, they use it to talk about lower wages. Um, the reality, though, is it's a very glib term for a larger macro trend. There you go, okay. The reality is uh, whether you buy into millennials or iGen or whatever the phrase is, right. people want a more tailored work experience. Yes. You know, much like people want a more tailored coffee experience yeah, exactly. you know people don't just get a cup of coffee they get an extra tall latte to pump something yes people want that level of tailoring and customization mm-hmm. for their work experience yeah so for some people that means part-time work mm-hmm. for some people it means every alternating day sometimes it's remote and so i think the real message behind the gig economy mm-hmm. is that employers need to find a way to reliably scale their companies while offering mass customization in the employment experience there you go so the way corporations were built, uh, you know, in the last century, let's say from 1960 on, okay. where you know it was post-war, the economies were going, uh, you had companies that were just, you know, becoming con- conglomerates as opposed to just companies. And it's funny, though, isn't it, that that some of that business model um, radiation is still. 
prevalent. So people are still kind of modeling new firms on these old models. And yet with Kite, you're helping enable, you're enhancing, if you will, new modeling of, of organizations that can be successful in a new Completely. World. Yeah. And if you, if you take an extreme example, right? I'm going to use Uber here, and I don't yep. mean to say we're all going to be Uber drivers. Right. Um, but time and time again, I'll bump into people who are driving uh, for Uber, and when I ask them, you know, what do you think about driving for Uber? Mm -hmm. They get very excited. Maybe yeah. they're a newcomer to the country, or they just went through a change in their career, or they want to work part-time to take care of a family member. Right. And Uber has enabled them to take control of their employment. They get paid more reliably, more efficiently, mm -hmm. they feel safer, they have control. Yeah. And what's fascinating is they have thousands and thousands and thousands of drivers worldwide who don't have managers. They rely on the application mm -hmm. to give them opportunities, right. to optimize their own work and to give mm -hmm. them control. And so they have this massive workforce without the overhead of traditional management, hierarchies, and, and onboarding. And it's truly remarkable. And like I said, it's not that we're all going to become Uber drivers, but we all need to think about our companies right. with the same level of efficiency and scale. Because yeah. if we aren't, our competitors are. Right. And so there will be massive differences between those who win and those who lose in this new mode of employment. Right. So, Joseph, what, what is next for Kite? I mean, you're, you, you've gone through the, the startup period. Uh, you've got the funding that uh, you're going to need, of course. And, and so where do you see... Uh, the next five years for, for Kite? Where well, it's, are you a, go? it's a fantastic time. I mean, we're, we're based here in Waterloo Region. Uh, we have team members in California and in the Philippines, mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to continue to grow in, in all of those locations. Um, the really big focus right now, and if you, you see our website or you see us speaking, you'll hear us talking a lot about sales and service productivity. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of our customers are in that space. Okay. When I think about the longer-term potential and longer-term growth with Kite, uh, it extends much more beyond that. Right. You know, and we see that already with our customers where you know, sales reps are using Kite, support reps are using Kite, but already Kite is learning more about the rest of the organization. Right. Yeah. And really realizing that vision of helping every employee yeah. have more autonomy and success, right. we'll continue pushing the envelope on that. Because of the benefits of Kite, you could be viral in organizations. It's, it's going to go from one team to the next because they're benefiting, benefiting, and that will become obvious, and people will say, well, what are you guys doing? Well, we're using Kite. Oh, very, very much. So there you go. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. How do I invest? <laughs> Watching out for the next round, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, I will be. Um, so, Joseph, you're also known as, as a guy that has a, a heightened sense of, of social uh, equality, social justice, social activity. And that's a really wonderful thing. Now, you've set up a fund, mm -hmm. and, and I need to know more about it. Our viewers need to know more about this fund that you, you've set up. And tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Uh, I've been very fortunate in that I've always had the chance to work with teams who care deeply about giving back. We've often had volunteer time off programs, mm -hmm. uh, philanthropy programs, donation matching. Uh, however, one of the things that we realized was that across Canada, the makeup of donors is changing. Fewer people are giving. Mm -hmm. We're increasingly reliant on a more mature donor base. Mm -hmm. Charities all across Canada mm -hmm. are facing that. Exactly. And when you talk to technology companies, what's really interesting is you have the dynamic where technology companies, they're not really investing their money. They're investing 
investor's money. There you go. And so it's very hard to take money from an investor for the purposes of growing your business and then mm -hmm. donate a chunk of it. Right. And so a lot of technology companies are focusing their philanthropic activities on volunteering mm -hmm. and on their products. And yeah. that's great. Yeah. There's a very important place for all of that. But what it means is as technologies grow and become ascendant, they're not backfilling mm. that traditional base of regular donors. Right. So when we said we wanted to build a strong sense of giving back in Kite, we said, let's tackle that donor problem head on. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what we did was we created a fund in partnership with the KW Community Foundation. Yes. We invited all of our employees to participate. Mm -hmm. It's completely optional, but the vast majority of our employees are donating every month as part of their paywall. Right. It is going into an endowment fund mm -hmm. that the community foundation is managing. Right. And those disbursements out of the fund will be advised by an employee committee on our side. So they'll be actively involved. They'll be able to find volunteer opportunities. Yeah. But even in, in maybe lean years, mm -hmm. we'll still be able to give back. Right. And that's fantastic. Yeah. And, and what is the benefit then? What is the return on investment, uh, as stakeholders would ask, on being that involved with the community? Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, first off, within the community, there's a massive long-term benefit. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the community foundations, not just in Kitchener-Waterloo, but across Canada, preserve capital so that mm -hmm. it's giving in perpetuity. Right. There's not a lot of things you could do that you could say you could do good forever. forever. Yeah. This is one of the few ones. Yeah. Um, they preserve capital, let it grow. Uh, and so they do, do get to benefit organizations. And we see organizations like the Working Center, yes. uh, the KW Symphony, even mm -hmm. small neighborhood projects yeah. benefiting from the help of a community foundation. Yeah. So that's huge. The yeah. social ROI is very clear. Okay. For the company ROI, though, this is where it gets really exciting. Mm -hmm. um, there are a ton of stats that demonstrate that having your employees give back retains them longer. Yeah. The key combination is both of time and money. So when you engage your employees in both donating financially, also donating their time, they're more engaged and they stick around longer. Right. You also pull in a more diverse workplace. Yeah. And this is one that's, I think, overlooked. Yeah. Um, when you're hiring for people, if you keep doing the same things, you go for beers after work, you work on code, you hire people who go for beers after yes. work and work on code. Yeah. But if you're also giving back to maybe a local you know, children's skating program, mm -hmm or to an agency that helps disabled veterans. Right. You're now appealing to a very different audience. Mm -hmm. And especially right now, building a software company, when you're hiring world-class researchers and, and world-class employees, mm -hmm. they care deeply yes. about how you're engaged. Right. And so it also helps fuel our diversity practices mm -hmm. and our engagement. Yeah, wonderful. You know, I was asked many, many years ago, um, okay, Corey, so what's in it for you for doing all this charitable work? So the ROI is return on involvement, that our people feel that we live in this community, we're part of it, and now we're enriching it through volunteerism and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, other things. And people check that out. We know that people check us out, and you as well, like, what are they doing besides making software? What are they doing besides making money? Well, there we are. So that consciousness becomes a very... Um, important asset, always unwritten, but felt. So good on you. It's also an imperative for, for high tech companies more than others. If you think about an individual as they advance in their career, as they establish a strong financial base, mm -hmm. as they build a family, as they feel safe in their home and health, they mm -hmm. start to care more deeply about more abstract concepts. Right. They start to Good think point. about national security. They start to think about uh, community justice. They start mm -hmm. to think about things that 
maybe they didn't have the liberty to do so earlier on. Right. And if you think about technology companies focusing in on high-performing talent, that's often more expensive, more established. Mm -hmm. They're going to have more employees and team members who care about those things. Yeah. And so I think it makes a lot of sense, and I'm surprised more companies don't spend the energy. I hope that they will. And, and maybe you know we can help in terms of being evangelists or showing what's in it for you for helping everyone you can. And part of it is opportunities like this to share the story because there, there are a lot of companies doing great work here in town mm -hmm. that people aren't aware of and they aren't aware of the work they're doing. So that's it's it's fantastic you give these opportunities as well. Well, excellent, thank you. Now, Joseph, what kind of advice would you give to um, you know third year? Um, computer engineer person at uh, University of Waterloo, for mm -hmm. example. Just pick one that happens to be a kilometer away. Um, if they want to be a, a, an entrepreneur that is contributing and building, um, what are the lessons that you've learned as an entrepreneur that might be helpful? Do you have two or three things that you learned in your first couple of years? Uh, I mean, the, the obvious ones have been said by so many people so much better than I. So I'm, uh, I'm you know, perhaps rephrasing what a lot of people have said. The first one, of course, is just spend time with the customers. Right. Um, the reality is so many people, so many students, so many entrepreneurs come up with a brilliant idea and believe they need to build it first. Yeah. I'm going to build it and then show it to you and you will buy or give me feedback or anything. The reality, though, is that the earlier you are, the more there is that you don't know. And so the sooner you can validate ideas directly with customers, yeah. the more engaged they'll be, yeah. the fewer mistakes you'll make too. Sure. So I think that's profound. Okay. Um, and I think the second one that's, that's also really obvious in hindsight is that you can't do it on your own. And that's just being open and mm -hmm. honest and vulnerable yeah. with your clients, with your partners, with the community. Mm -hmm. uh, when you can make a genuine ask for help, that's a massive, massive difference. Yeah. And people want to help, especially here. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. And so being honest with the stage you're at mm -hmm. and where you need help is a huge opportunity that people overlook. Yeah. Cool. What's been the most gratifying thing for you so far as an as a entrepreneur and as a business person? I think you have kind of a holistic approach to business, so I'm interested in what makes you happy when you close your eyes on a Friday night and the week is over? It's the impact that we have on the employees that are team members, okay. uh, especially the early ones, because you could see that impact most extremely. I mean, mm -hmm. I started my first company because I wanted to build a better workplace. On co-op terms, you work in a number of places. Sometimes they go well. Uh -huh. Sometimes they have bumps. Right. But coming out of that experience, I firmly believe that I can build an exceptional workplace. Mm -hmm. And so getting a chance to see that come to life is right. amazing. Yeah. I've had team members who joined us as a sole contributor and grew up to being a director in a matter of a couple of years. Mm -hmm. I have early stage employees who joined us when we could only pay them a shoestring. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a co-op student who we couldn't afford to pay a salary. He got paid with a computer who was with us during the exit right. and had an exceptional outcome. Yeah. And seeing the impact that that has on individuals, not just the founding team, mm -hmm. but everybody that's on that journey yeah. is amazing. Yeah. And that's fantastic because it's it reminds exciting. you you're having impact mm -hmm. and reminds you why you're doing it. Yeah. It's been a great place. It's been my pleasure, Alan. Yeah, thank you. And our viewers are going to learn so much because they've been listening. There's been some wisdom exchanged today. 
And that's a good thing. So thank you, Joseph. Thank you so much. And we'll follow up with Joseph again, because this guy's not finished. This guy's a dreamer. Huh? Talk to you later. Bye. AQ's Blog and Grill.